Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast, recorded during the 42nd Critical Care Congress in beautiful San Juan, Puerto Rico. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Weinstein. Joining us today is Carol L. Thompson, Ph.D., ACNP, CCRN, and FCCM, who is Professor of Critical Care Nursing at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center in Memphis, Tennessee. She joins us today as the incoming president for the Society of Critical Care Medicine and will discuss her goals and vision for the society during her 2013 term. So, thanks for thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you tell us uh, a little bit about your background and uh, your career path? Sure. The end point is I'm a professor in critical care nursing. Uh, I teach an acute care nurse practitioner program and have, in some ways, for 20-some years. <laughs> I, I once said you could engrave on my tombstone critical care nurse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> full life of critical care nursing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in one way or another, Obviously, started at the bedside. Mm-hmm. Um, as my career developed, clinical nurse specialist, uh, advanced practice nurse, uh, professor, university, that kind of thing. You know, yeah. uh, but always have had clinical practice because that's what makes me happy. You know, that direct contact with patients. <laughs> and are you at the bedside these days? I, the answer is yes. Not as much as I'd like, but I have other things on my plate, too, yes. you know. Uh, but to me, talking to patients, working with patients, keeps me grounded on what really I'm doing the other stuff about, you know. It informs me what their needs are. Um, I go home at the end of the day exhausted and smiling, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Good to still be smiling. Uh, can you speak a little bit about your involvement in SCCM and uh, what have been your most positive experiences along the, along the way leading up to your presidency? I came to SCCM. I recognized immediately the difference between this organization and the many other organizations that I've been part of. Uh, early in my career, most of the organizations that I participated in were siloed into single discipline or, or even sub into sub parts of nursing. But when I came to SCCM, it was clear it was team, which represents my work life at the bedside, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it felt like home. It felt yeah. like home right away. Uh, so there was team, but also. Um, Science is spoken here. I have a PhD. I certainly, I embrace science, understand statistics, understand the pieces, certainly read more than the abstract component of it. Look, really look, analyze the components of it. And I found that level of discussion and integration about where we are in our knowledge development um, spoken here. So I said, man, this is a twofer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that went well. My very first meeting, SCCM was a small organization. Uh, our conferences were in single hotels. 
um, folks wore very casual attire all the time. <laughs> you didn't you didn't feel like it was a business or that kind of thing. Um, but from that, then uh, as as the organization grew and the ability and scope of what we were about. Uh, there are some differences. So I come today in a suit, uh, even in tropical environments, um, because there is some business to this. And it's important that we, we have a strong, strong understanding of what systems are needed in order to be most effective. And I think that's part of the growth of SCCM. Taking the central mission and vision of the society, keeping that is what we're about, but providing a system, a structure, where that can be most efficiently and effectively uh, carried out. And so I think the business component of it is important. Um, it gives us a wealth much broader, more members we have, the broader expertise we have to come uh, to knowledge development, to decision-making in, in difficult situations that we need. It really does take a team, and so it provides more talents on that team to come up with solutions that are very complex. Uh, being an international organization um, truly removing those the things that might be barriers between our cultures and really seeing, well, what was the kernel there that really is r- relatable, generalizable across all of our systems? Generally, that starts with the patient, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's other things. Um, uh, I just came from a, a meeting uh, of, of multiple professional organizations in critical care. And uh, there certainly were broad cultural differences. But each one spoke of, here's what's going on in my country and, and some issues that we're, we're having, uh, and whether it was the extent of critical care as a profession or the resources that are available for patients with that level of acuity. Uh, and folks were sharing, gee, here's what helped. For our place, um, and and let me offer this assistance kind of thing. It's that kind of embracing um, that makes a difference in the overall delivery of care to patients. And to me, that's very exciting. What what do you see? It sounds like a very interesting meeting. What what do you see as the most pressing issues uh, in critical care medicine at this time? I think the complexity of critical care today. Our patients are living longer, have more comorbidities than they ever had before, uh, and so what might be a, a reflex, here's what you do to treat X, well, now they have Y, Z, and K, and that may not be the appropriate way to go. And so I think it's the complexity of critical care today. Our science, we, we take pictures of what we think is going on physiologically uh, and think we have a good road on, therefore that means I should do G. But then other science comes in and that was wrong. You know? 
<laughs> see that far too often yes. in critical care. Yes, I mean, you know, and, and so it really is a challenge to the clinician to be flexible enough when they were they were sure <laughs> that this was the answer um, to make that shift. That's tough when you think you know your craft uh, and rely upon some stability in a, in, in a critical environment. It isn't so stable, and it's tough when you're trying to deal with life and death right now moments and make those shifts so in your approach to things, constantly revising. As, a, as an age educator, I will tell you that every semester I have to make a complete review of the literature again. I have to make revisions in what it is I'm teaching my students. And more importantly, I have to teach my students this behavior as well and prepare them. This is what you have to do all the time in clinical practice. Um, And so it's not only just knowing, but the characteristics of the clinician who cares so deeply uh, to make constant revisions. That's tough. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's, I think of SCCM perhaps a role, uh, not just to Congress, but year long, uh, sharing that information. Uh, I think the society does a great job at getting that information out to at least the members, if not the larger, larger community as well. Um, and also the creation, and more probably more importantly, the updating of uh, all the guidelines um, that our society has uh, produced. Yes, we have two guidelines uh, uh, that are both revisions. Both revisions. We have our surviving sepsis guideline is a revision. We have a a new plan on surviving sepsis campaign that uh, we found out the first one worked. We reduced uh, um, mortality by 25%. Okay, so now we know pieces of this are working, but there's new science, and so there had to be some revisions in it. And so the campaign now uh, seeks to really disseminate this, uh, have it adopted in, in I think, uh, 10,000 hospitals now, uh, saving a half a million lives uh, with this. Uh, So it's, it's not just expanding it, but with the revisions, expanding it <laughs> kind of thing. And the same sort of thing with uh, PAD guidelines, pain education and delirium guidelines. This is a revision of that one as well. Um, there's new technologies, more reliable and valid instruments. Uh, there's new medications, other strategies. Um, so that's an example where now patients have had pain, agitation, and delirium for as long as I can remember, but we know better now how to do some things, but we had to be willing to do the revisions. And the clinician has to be willing to shift into this, here's the state of the science now. It requires a lot of flexibility. It does. We think of ourselves pretty flexible. I mean, you have to be in critical care. You have to be able to turn on a dime, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what the nature of our care is. But so still, it isn't like making it up as you go. I mean, there's, there's some background about which you, you provide the evidence to the decision-making. Um, so it's kind of an interesting combination. Yeah. For the, the 
critical care community, all our listeners, uh, what would you say are the reasons um, to become a member of SCCM for those who are listening and, and are not? And for those members, what are the best ways to get involved in the society um, and uh, volunteer, become parts of uh, the folks that are moving our science forward? There's a number of benefits uh, to joining our society. Uh, We have a journal that is absolutely superb, um, and it is a component of membership. You get that as part of your membership. Um, And members highly value that, according to our our asking of our members, what what works for you. Uh, And it has a high impact factor as well, which means it's a quality journal. Uh, and used internationally, um, and it has an international focus. This isn't, it isn't America, it's uh, international, it truly is intended to that. Uh, we have contributors uh, from around the world on a regular basis, so it truly embodies that as well. Um, uh, so besides the journal, though, um, we have a number of projects that we're involved in. And some of these guidelines I've just been talking about is part of that, you know. Be part of that uh, developing the science. Be part of uh, quality improvement initiatives that really put that into practice. We have structures that can help you do that. Uh, we have structures we have uh, in our society, whether you're a military person, uh, a pediatric uh specialist, uh, whether you're a respiratory therapist, a nurse, a physician, uh, there's, there's a niche for you where you can get support from your individual um, selection of things that are important to you. Uh, and you're not restricted to just one. You can take the cafeteria-style version of this stuff, you know, <laughs> and, and it doesn't cost you any more. I mean, it's going cost a membership, but you, you get to play in a big pool, what can I tell you? Um, and we're always looking for what is needed next. So the person who doesn't find what they want here, well, come create it. Others probably want it, too. We're open we're open to this stuff, like the podcast, for instance. <laughs> well, you know, uh, technology is always changing. We're always looking to, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is, uh, whether it's um, learning on demand. We're really trying to do what our members need for our patients. Sometimes that's learning. Sometimes that's research. Some, the whole gamut of it. Uh, in the old expression, we just want to help. How can we help? <laughs> I, uh, I've been a member for quite some time. I feel like I want to join again. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, as, as president, uh, what's your vision for the upcoming year, and where's, where is the society heading? What changes are in effect? I will tell you that uh, we have several hundred volunteers. That means a resource, uh, energetic, devoted, experts and beginners. Part of what I want to make sure as president happens is that every individual member feels that they, not only feels, but can make their contribution in the way that uh, we can help. We can help support. That's an important philosophy that I have. 
That along with decisions are made here based upon patients. Um, keep that as the focus. That certainly is the focus in our mission and vision statements. Um, and so it, it, sometimes uh, whenever you have a, a group of folks that are multiple disciplines and multiple nationalities and cultures and that kind of stuff, if you have a central focus, then it's all going to be okay. Uh, so the decisions truly are toward that aim. Um, if if you don't keep that focus, then I think that then you start not reaching your mission. Now, that means that some folks say, well, you don't represent me. You don't represent my particular aspect. Well, you know, there's there are silos. There is conflict out there, and one, one, what might be the interest of one um, might not be the interest of the other. Uh, but if you're talking about what's in the best interest of patients, it's all going to be okay. You know? uh, so, so my goal as president is to see that we stay focused, that we listen to each and every uh, idea, each and every need that folks have, and see what we can find that can meet that. And the society is maturing. Uh, we certainly, over the last several years, uh, have had a focus of, of truly uh, expanding our international focus. We have members in over 100 countries. Um, in some countries, we have products directly available, like Fundamentals of Critical Care Support, some of those, some of those learning events that are on-site kind of thing. Uh, and in some countries, those aren't available. And members uh, can't always come distances to meet that. So we're saying, how can we do an outreach internationally to those folks who need these products, who need this kind of education, who need this kind of support? So we really have had, over the last several years, uh, recognize the importance of having more resources uh, internationally. Are there new um, avenues then for international um, exploration? Are there uh, tools that are being developed? As with any new relationships, you begin with meet and greet, get to know each other. Um, and as president, I will be um, going to more countries than prior presidents have as part of that, that ambassador mission, if you will. Um, but also, when they come to this Congress, uh, we eagerly meet with them. So that whether they come to us or we come to them, uh, it's, it's a mutual kind of thing. What do you need? Uh, but it's not just just what they get from us, but what we get from them. There are so many excellent solutions to things we've been uh, so narrow-minded, we've only known sort of one way, um, whether it's patient care or it's uh, professional structure. Um, it, in Spain, for instance, when you become a physician, uh, you become a critical care physician, and that's your specialty. Uh, in the United States, you have some basic thing like in internal medicine first, and then you do the subspecialties of critical care. Um, and that's kind of a stepwise process. Um, and, and so which system 
really gets the clinicians, which is the best preparation, what are the competencies that are needed. Uh, there are several lists of competencies for critical care uh, that we're revisiting all the time because the science changes, the needs change. Uh, but e even, you know, okay, so how do we prepare our clinicians uh, and on the beginning end? What does it take appropriately? So we listen and we learn. Uh, some countries don't have certain uh, professionals that we do in the United States. Well, how does that work? How do you get this work done? Um, it's, it's always a wonderful exchange to see the creative minds and how to solve this one. Uh, so it, it really is uh, an equal exchange. Yeah, that's great. What, uh, what else would you like the, the uh, critical care community at large to know about, uh, about yourself or about the society? This is the 42nd year, and I'm the second nurse to be president of this society. There has been a pharmacist as well, mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, it's been physicians. I will tell you that uh, as a member, even before there was a nurse president, I recognized and appreciated that this was a group of team, truly team, uh, that Yes, I am the second nurse president, and each discipline brings certain things, certain perspectives to it. Um, but we act as a team, um, and so I'm certain that I, I bring certain different questions to the table because of my particular focus. Um, but I've always felt heard, always felt heard. Um, when I go to some of these other countries, however, that, that instance of team isn't the same. Uh, if they have a conference that has both physicians and nurses in it, uh, they don't integrate. They have sessions that the nurses go to, sessions that the physicians go to. Um, and my first exposure to that, I'm going, huh, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, um, uh, and, and even when they socialize, they socialize into their pods. Um, so I, I, it's a stark difference for me so they don't understand how in the world did a nurse become president of the Society of Critical Care Medicine um, and so they say huh that's interesting hmm so it starts them questioning as well so the very fact that SCCM has a president who's a nurse brings some interesting learning to the critical care community around the world about perhaps a different way of doing things yeah. Yeah I, mean, yeah, I guess you almost know, take it for granted having been involved in critical care, at least in this, here at my hospital and being a member of SCCM, um, the interdisciplinary nature of critical care um, just seems like commonplace to me, but I could certainly, uh, I think, do think of other conferences I attend where it's, uh, it's not so integrated, uh, which does make this a very special community. It's certainly proud to be a part of. And so when you hear a presentation here at SCCM, they're talking about the different aspects of it. But when you hear, if you hear sepsis uh, presentation at SCCM, they're incorporating the concepts of team, in this discipline, et cetera. Uh, but when you hear the sepsis uh, lectures uh, in some of these the other structured things, they don't incorporate some of those pieces. Um, it's just interesting. 
Yes, yes. And it is, uh, yes, it's, I think it's a very important message um, that we have a nurse as a president for our society, <laughs> society. Uh, one that we should definitely keep carrying forward. Other uh, thoughts that you'd like to share? I'd like to thank our members uh, for all they do for our patients. Uh, and all the contributions. We have such wonderful volunteers. Uh, and this is a volunteer organization. <laughs> that is what we are. We have staff structures, but we're it, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, we have staff structures who are partners with us. Uh, they bring their piece to the table as well. Um, and so I want to thank our members and, and invite others to join us. We have a great time. Sure do. Thank you so much. It's really been wonderful speaking with Thank you. Thank you. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Members receive discounts on all SCCM educational programs and resources. Please ask to speak to a customer service representative or visit www.sccm.org membership for more information. Michael S. Weinstein, M.D., F.A.C.S., F.C.C.P., serves as an associate editor for the iCritical Care Podcasts. Dr. Weinstein is associate professor of surgery at Jefferson Medical College in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He is director of the Surgical ICU and executive medical co-director of the Thomas Jefferson University Hospital Programs for Critical Care. His clinical and academic interests relate to palliative care integration in the intensive care unit medical ethics, diaphragmatic pacing, and spinal cord injury. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members.